Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Gonna be a nice intro for the podcast. Right. Sorry, about that. sorry, it's, is it over now? Because I just took my headphones off while whatever was happening was happening. So I was finishing my my last piece of delicious chicharrones. It was, it was just a crunching sound into the mic. It wasn't really that. Is there loud. a reason why that had to be done by the mic as opposed to you know? Uh, anywhere well, else? The, the-, the trick is. I, everything is by the mic because I'm I'm in the dining room and it's big and echoey. I'm pretty sure if I went over to the other side, it would still sound like a rock tumbler. <laughs> it's definitely echoey. I agree with you. So. Well, no one, no one knows Mike. It would just sound like he was dragging it across concrete, no matter what he does. That's true. Serious emotional issues. I don't know what. And I don't. I don't have a table currently, so like I've got the computer in my lap. So it's going to be reassuring. (laughs) Loudest dog shit. I can't wait till the end of the podcast when you do your traditional falling asleep while Brian and I are talking. (laughs) (laughs) Laptop just falls. Bang! 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 Are you still living in the murder house? Or are you living in your 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 house now? I, so I, I'm in the new house. I'm actually sending you guys a picture in the Discord right now because I oh. went from living in the murder house to now I'm living like a uh, meth head squatting. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, totally are <laughs> nice. Like, like uh, the police, the police come into this place and they're like, yep, "Yeah, somebody's been squatting here, all right." Uh, according to his search history, he's been watching nothing but Breaking Bad and living <laughs> like this. <laughs> he's cooking the meth. So when's Char moving up? Well, she can't quit her job until the first when my insurance kicks in. Oh, okay. And then the movers are going to move the big stuff that weekend. So I'm I'm pretty much living crackhead style until then. Nice. It's nice that you got insurance right away. I had to wait six goddamn months for mine. Let's not. We did this last week. I don't care. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I just got my card officially in the mail the other day. So. 
And you know what I found out? <laughs> oh, fuck off with your free healthcare bullshit. Oh. <laughs> it's not my free healthcare. It's a guy I know's free healthcare. Oh, okay. But uh, he's got like um, a special kind of cancer, so he has to go to another city for treatment. So they, he has to be at the hospital every day for 100 days in a row. But he didn't want to be an inpatient, so the hospital actually has like an apartment for him in the town so that he can live there for free and still go to the hospital every day. Isn't that neat? Damn it, Doug. I'm going to hate Canada. So they're just like, they just have an apartment. It's, he says, about a 20-minute drive to the hospital. So him and his wife are going to just stay in the apartment for 100 days so that she can drive him in every day for his treatment rather than him having to stay in the hospital that whole time. This world uh, is filled with bullshit. And I hate it. I I, th- I thought I was so happy when I heard that. I'm like, that's really good. I was like, that's really good. And he's like, I just told you I have cancer. And I went, okay, not that part. <laughs> I was I was gonna say if it wasn't for the fact that the scales were balanced yeah. by that guy having cancer, <laughs> he's got he's got to like get stem cell treatment or some shit. So you know, he's probably not happy about that. But good times. All right. Cancer is a piece of shit. I happen to agree with you. I'm anti-cancer. I don't. I don't care who knows it. I'll put my foot down on that anytime. Whoa, 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 whoa! Come on, that's a big decision. You gotta, you gotta decide if that's a stance you really want to take publicly. I'm, I'm willing to go that way. All right. Oh, it could backfire on you. No, it. I, I don't know. I mean, the way the way there are things that are like, worse than cancer. For example, what's worse than cancer? Let's. Let, I'm going to challenge you on that. If you can convince me that something's worse than cancer, I'll go with it. Ne- ne- necrotize, uh, necrotizing dermatitis. I don't know what your, that is. Your, your skin is so it, it. It's a very rare side effect of taking antibiotics, but it basically causes your skin to die and peel off of your body. All right, I can see how that might be seen as worse than <laughs> cancer, but we're talking in the aggregate, and in the aggregate, cancer is affecting a lot of people every day. So that's true. Now, a- anything on, that's on extremely whole, rare, yeah, you know. yeah, on the whole, cancer is certainly worse. But you're saying like a one-to-one comparison, maybe? Yeah, yeah I'm talking one-to-one. If my choice is tumor and eventual death or my skin peels off of my body and I die. <laughs> Have you taken into consideration the fact that you'd get way better Instagram photos out of your skin peeling off your body than you would from a tumor? Because in today's world, the amount of a uh, amount of clout you could gather I, by having those gross pictures and they couldn't block them because you're like, it's my medical condition. That's true. I, I know in some cases it even causes like the cornea of your eye to die and peel off. It's gross. My cornea is already misshapen, so I wouldn't want that happening. So how did you spend your uh, meth head Valentine's Day, Noah? Uh, I went to work, and then I came home, and I watched some Breaking Bad. <laughs> I'm, sit- I'm sitting in my lawn chair that I bought. <laughs> I didn't know you got fancy up there with them lawn chairs. Well, I decided to break down. So I've been wanting to buy one of those, uh, whatever they're called, the zero gravity reclining lawn chairs for a long time for, uh, I have one. You, yeah. you know, taken to like midway and stuff. 
And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't have a chair and I don't want to buy furniture because that seems excessive. So I went out and picked one up. It's very reasonable of you. <laughs> Good job, big spender. Hey, it hurts. It hurts spending $80 on a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do that. It's a pretty nice lawn chair, though, Doug. Yeah, I know, but it is really comfortable. Had mine now, for a and long now I'm time. Extra stoked to take it to Midway instead of getting stuck sitting in one of the shitty chairs. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're gonna be a lot closer to Midway now. <laughs> you know what the funny thing? I'm still two hours away, and I'm still close. Uh, I think it's two hours away from everywhere. Somehow, it was three hours away from uh, Springfield. This is this is the drive-in that does the Dust Till Dawn Horror Nights, Doug. Sure, wondering. Oh, okay. I was vaguely curious what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> I don't know. As per usual, when you guys went off on one of your little tangents, I'm just like, whatever. They'll be done soon. It's it's a majestic, very classic drive-in with just fantastic shitty concession food yes it's the it's the best worst concession food you've ever had just smashing those cheeseburgers that are about like high school uh lunchroom quality cheeseburgers (laughs) but yeah you're like i want like four of them before the night's over (laughs) <laughs> right you're like the only reason why i'm not having six of these is because i'm also going to eat three corn dogs <laughs> gotta get a big old glass of that green river too oh yeah green river soda which uh my friend i got him to try it last time we were there tim oh yeah and he's like thank god they don't sell this in stores because i would just drink this all the time. I was technically they do. You just got to be closer to St. Louis to buy it. Yeah. Well, he already drinks nothing but diet Mountain Dew, which he forced himself to do diet because he's like, otherwise I'll be a thousand pounds. Yeah. yeah he fell in love, cool. fell in love with the green river right away. I'm I'm excited. I haven't got to go in a few years. I'm going this year. Yeah. Should be fun, hopefully. Hopefully they have a good lineup. I'm trying to remember what the last lineup was. I was gonna say it never disappoints. Sometimes there's like one in the lineup that's like, meh. Yeah, that was Dr. Butcher M D last time the last movie of the night and I fell asleep during it so I do think this year I'm going to get either a hotel room or an Airbnb for afterwards because yeah. trying to trying to stay up past midnight is a, is a task all on its own midnight it's like the third movie hasn't even started at midnight I know Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a good segue. I was going to say, do you know what does stay up past midnight's documentary crew? But I, I can't. I don't know. That's, yeah, that one's terrible. 
Yeah. It's really, you really fucked that up. Well, there's not a good segue for these shitty movies, Noah. It's going to be a controversial week. I think some people really like these movies. Uh, I know there's people on Facebook that do. I know. I would not count myself as one of them. Um, all right. So this this is the finale of our Fanuary suggestions. Noah went outside of predetermined lists to get... Uh, Everyone remember when I made up the rules and it, the rules didn't involve these movies? Just you, make sure everyone's, you everyone's aware of that. You rules that I could not accommodate. Listen, I had to pick from I, a specific list of movies and pick a movie I hadn't seen from a list of movies, all of which I had seen. Listen, I don't want to hear excuses. I set up a perfectly good set of rules that would make everyone happy. With finally taking some stuff off Tracy's list, and you had to go outside of that, find excuses, and now look where we are. Uh, so Noah, why don't you tell us about <laughs> Savage Land? Uh, so Savage Land is uh, in the very specific subgenre of fake documentaries <laughs> that are horror themed. There's actually a lot of them out there. It, there it is, are. It is specific, specific, but there are a lot. Genre, though. Uh, this particular one is about a mass murder that occurs in a small uh, New Mexico town. Uh, in which basically the entire town except for one guy is killed. That guy is an illegal immigrant. So, of course, the police immediately say he's a... They keep using the term serial killer, but I don't think they understand what that word means. No, he's it would be spree killer if he was yeah. guilty. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things that took me out of the documentary was no talking head correcting them. Yeah. And the documentary kind of <laughs> follows uh, his... some some nerd pushing up his glasses. Like, well, the technical term for what he would be qualified as would be a spree killer. That's correct. There should have been one of those. <laughs> yeah. It follows it follows his uh, his trial and eventual execution uh, while other people are providing pretty obvious evidence that he wasn't the person who did this. What kind of which appears to instead be zombies, maybe? I don't know. I think it's zombies, but it's not it's not stated. Um, I think some of the evidence that he didn't do it is that um, he, 57 people were killed at the same time. And they're like, it was probably just that one guy with no real criminal record. Right. In a redneck town filled with people with guns. Yeah. And some of the people were just like chased up up a water tower and then they just jumped off and killed themselves because they were so scared of that one guy. When realistically, they could have just stood at the top of the ladder if it was one guy and kicked him in the face when he got to the top and problem solved. The preacher murdered his family with a machete and then macheted himself. (laughs) Okay. So the reason the film's a failure right off the bat is because in order for a faux documentary to work, you have to sort of buy into the, the concept. And right away, we're told with this that this one guy has just been convicted of killing 57 people with nobody managing to fight back enough to leave a scratch on them. Um, and so right away I'm out of it. Like, Nope, <laughs> I don't, I don't buy your premise and therefore this 
film cannot possibly be successful. And because it's a podcast movie, I have to sit through the rest. Okay. But then when we get to the parts, like the more ridiculous parts, which is like, okay, so the preacher saw him coming and murdered his family to save them. All right. And then he killed himself with a machete. How the fuck does one kill themselves with a machete? That can't happen. Uh, like you can do it uh, dead zone style, like with the scissors where you just prop it up on something. <laughs> All right. I mean, I no. definitely think you could do it. It just doesn't sound very efficient. It, oh. it, it's very unreasonable to believe it. It's also not reasonable for if this guy's protecting his family from a zombie attack or a serial killer, killing them with a machete is not an efficient like. Like, why kill them in a way that's equally horrific to being murdered by the other guy? It doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it, it, you know, like if, if there was some evil thing approaching and you lined your kids up and said nice things to them and put bullets in the back of their heads, like you'd be like, okay, he's trying to, he knows they're going to die and he's trying to let them go peacefully or something. But to attack them with a machete to protect them from zombies makes no sense. <laughs> And then there's that element, and then the other element that really upset me, that just drove me nuts, was they find, like, film from a camera, like an old-school camera, like film that's not developed. And they develop the pictures, and there's all this weird shit on it. And that's sort of the the supernatural element that we all were referring to as zombies. We don't really know. But, like, that's the idea, is that they that they can see them on these things. And everybody's just like, ah, Photoshop. It's like it's an undeveloped roll of film. It's not like if these pictures were on like a thumb drive. Well, okay. I was going to say, I like the fact that the only people that are saying it's photoshopped are the police and the judge. They're the only ones. It, like, <laughs> it, it's it's absurd. It's like, yeah, yeah, he photoshopped those. What he did is before he went on his killing spree, he however you would do that to get the undeveloped roll of film already pre-photoshopped i guess you'd have to make up fake pictures and then somehow take pictures of them with your camera to get them onto the undeveloped roll of film it's it's ludicrous and it's like i don't you they go too far with the stuff like that and i'm just like now i can't believe anything you're saying and at one point the lawyer is like yeah we can't bring that stuff into court we'll get laughed out of court it's like what are you talking about of course you bring that into court all you have to do is establish reasonable doubt for him to not be convicted. Of course, there's reasonable doubt if there's something else going on, even if you can't explain what's going on, that creates reasonable doubt that he didn't murder 57 people in one day, which is objectively absurd to start with. I mean, that's the defense. You just walk into court and go, really, Your Honor, 57? And the judge goes, yeah, that can't happen. Dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> that's- I, I felt like the... The place where this one screws up. So I get what they were trying to do, because in documentaries, you know, you're always kind of limited to how much reveal you ever get by, you know, the information that exists or whatever. But when you're making one of these faux documentaries, you control how much (laughs) stuff shows up. So the fact that, like, all the reveals are just completely unsatisfying and at the end of the movie you expect it to ratchet up a little bit and instead they're just like and then there were more murders later that we're not gonna talk about or do anything with it's super weird too because when they do start saying like oh there was these other attacks like first of all one of the other attacks is like a group of six people that gets attacked 
And that would have been a better starting point for this whole movie. But then even after that, it's like he's already been executed by the time these other attacks happen. It's like, how slow is this horde of zombies moving? Like, it doesn't really <laughs> compute to me. And that's like, I mean, that's sort of something that it's like when you're trying again, if you're trying to make this a documentary and you're trying to make it look that way, it has to be somewhat realistic. And when people are sentenced to death, it's like 10 years before they put to death, you know? Well, unless I can't remember if it was New Mexico or Texas that they're in, but if they're in Texas, Texas actually has a special law where they can fast track your execution. Yeah, they these guys were in New Mexico, though, I believe, right? Yeah. I, I think so. You paid way more attention than I did. If it was Texas, then it would be completely unrealistic. Like zombies came across the border and just all got shot. That would be I, the result. Just it'd just be the, the whole documentary would be about the like extra people who got shot because people didn't stop shooting when all the zombies were dead. I I will say the funny thing is the the thing about the movie that most people would hate, which is the uh, the overarching political message that's kind of smuggled in about police not doing their job and, you know, illegal immigrants being scapegoated for every little fucking thing that happens. Yeah. All that stuff is actually done pretty well in the film. Yeah, it's it's not terrible. It's again, it's like it's it's so hard when it when a movie like this, when you lose your suspension of disbelief so early in the movie it's so hard for me to comment on anything being done well. Cause it's like, okay, they paid that actor to say that. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. The horror, I, I thought the, the horror elements of it were weak. They were subtle. And I mean, that was by design. That was the whole point of it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess if I don't think they were poorly done, it's just that they, it, it was, these you know, weak pictures that you're not really supposed to you're not really supposed to see what's going on too much and then there's that that final like piece of video at the end I thought was reasonably well done where they have actual video of one of the attacks that happened later on but it's right at the end of the movie so yeah yeah I wish we would have just got more I don't know. I feel like after after they execute him and that that storyline's tied up, you could have, you know, done what a lot of documentaries do, where then the third act of the documentary is them just giving you all the good stuff where all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, there was security footage of one of the attacks in the town. And, oh, there was this thing. And you, you know, see some creepy thing walking across the road or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I and I feel like they didn't deliver on that, and it hurts the film as a whole. Yeah. Uh, again, it's it's so hard to even like pretend that I care about the ending of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly barely remember anything that even happened in it, and I just watched it yesterday. I watched like half of it the day before, but I actually fell asleep watching it, and. So I watched the second half yesterday. <laughs> but the, yeah, like again, it's because some some of it is very um, 
it's it's very very like documentary style and it's meant to be done as like a lower budget documentary so it's a lot of like oh here's a, a picture of the town and here's the way we think he moved through the town and you're like but no he didn't because again in your assumption is that if he moved this way that he killed 57 people in a single day and it's like i don't buy your premise yeah i would have i think i would have actually been so even if they weren't going to ramp up the horror stuff I think if they would have leaned even harder into the documentary side of it, I might have enjoyed it more like uh, when they were talking about the photos being Photoshop. I really wish they would have had some guy come in that supposedly some kind of expert and him go, oh, yeah, these are Photoshop because look, look at this and this and the way the light is. And, you know, like conspiracy style where he's like, there's no way it's sure. real. And then you have the other expert going, no, I I do this for a living. That's just a reflection off of this and blah, blah. You know what I mean? The the typical stuff they do in a documentary where you give it, you know, you have one person kind of trying to convince you that it's one thing and one person trying to convince you it's the totally other thing. And they both come up with reasonable explanations. Yeah. I mean, that I, I agree. There more of that um, would have been helpful. Um, but they, they weren't, even, I don't know. I don't know. It's exactly exactly what I thought of this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I want to get into very specific criticisms, but I'm finding it difficult to do that. Partly because I wasn't I wasn't intrigued enough to make very specific criticisms the way I usually like to do. Yeah. The the documentary thing turned me off right away. For some reason, I don't seem to enjoy that subgenre um you could shoot it like you're doing a documentary and then shit goes wrong and then it's just more of like a found footage type movie and that i'm fine with but i feel like when it's supposed to be like a finished like polished documentary i just feel like there's no suspense to it so then i completely check out See, I and I think I'm the opposite. I fucking hate found footage films. I fucking hate them. They're stupid. They've been stupid since Blair Witch. Fuck them all. But at least this is like a nice change of pace to that where they're like attempting to do. I, I don't know, something slightly convincing. I don't I don't think this particular one does it well. But I don't like I said, I, I can t I can stomach these a lot better than I can stomach a Blair Witch. I'm, I'm pretty open minded to them. I think there are some that work and some that don't. Um, like similar to this one would be something like the Poughkeepsie tapes, which I think is really effective. I haven't seen it in a while, um, but I remember it being very effective. And it's like, OK, so it, the fact that it can be done well, I think it. But but that one doesn't have anything as ridiculous as what this one had in it. Yeah, I don't know. I because uh, I think that's what turned me off of uh, Gypsy Tapes as well. Yeah, because I think I was really excited to see it because I thought it was like a found footage thing. And even like I'm not even super into found footage movies, but I 
thought it sounded like it was an interesting idea. And then when it turned out to be more of a documentary style, I was kind of like, oh, and then don't think yeah, I well, enjoyed it nearly as much. Well, and I, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's fine that there's a subgenre of films that you just don't like. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, totally, that's yeah. fine. Right. Like, um, but it kind of, <laughs> you're kind of screwed this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we may have, different i don't know we'll wait till we get into the next movie okay but i mean spoiler alert the theme of the week is documentaries so it's, <laughs> if that's really the problem then um well no but i just don't think this one was done very well like the i feel like the subject matter i was just not into i'm very bored very quickly it, um and then when it was uh uh, and it was pointing out how stupid it was, but then when it became like anti-immigrant type stuff, I just completely checked out. It's probably just because I hate hearing that shit in real life. So I was just like, oh, all right. Yeah. It, I don't, did, did you do any research this week, Brian? Is Did they start with the idea of we want to make this film with the message in it? Or was that message something that they came across later, do you think? Oh, I have no idea. I can't imagine that it wasn't the the first one. Yeah. And see, that's generally, I find, not always, but quite often, it's like when you start with, we're going to make this film so that we can put this message in it. And then you get from there and try to build a film from that. You end up in, it's really tough to build a quality film from that basis. Um, and even though, you know, I think the message is good. I think the, the idea that, you know, police don't always care if they got the right person, they just want to close their case. And, you know, yes, immigrants and anyone who's, you know, outside of the mainstream tends to be blamed for things, even if there's not a lot of evidence to say that it's their fault. And that's, it's good to bring those things to light, but you start from the point of, we're going to make a faux documentary about what would happen in in a zombie attack. And then you get to that where it's like, see, I don't know. Cause I think once again, I think it works though, because you need the reason why they're making the documentary and the idea of a bunch of filmmakers making a social justice documentary makes more sense than a bunch of people being like, there might be zombies. <laughs> Agree and disagree. I mean, true crime documentaries aren't exactly hard to come by these days, right? So somebody making a somebody making a like a making a murderer type thing about how we think this guy's really innocent, and then accidentally stumbling across the zombies thing could work. Well, right, right, but that's what I'm saying. But that that is that Ma- making a murder is one of those social justice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's but again, if if they had again, if they had started from the point of we're making a true crime crime documentary, then they might have made the crime more realistic, and that might have been a better starting point. It all it all really comes down to this movie losing me at. Everyone's just going to go with this guy killed fifty seven people in a day, and they're like, well, he's you know he's he's Mexican. They're pretty efficient. I don't think, but come on. <laughs> Hack him away with the machete. So he's a dangerous weirdo. He likes to take pictures of things. 
Well, and the worst part of the whole thing was then when the uh, the one cop kept saying into the camera, like, oh, yeah, well, if something else was going on, why didn't he put his camera down and go help? As if the cop is now entertaining the notion that, okay, maybe there was a horde of zombies that came through the town and killed 57 people. But this one guy should have just done something about it, so we're going to execute him regardless. We're not even going <laughs> to. It doesn't really matter whether he actually killed. It. He's pretty much guilty for not stopping the zombies. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's ridiculous and absurd, and I don't want to hear it. Nice. I don't know. I do. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like the film worked for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't one of the stronger ones I've ever seen. No. Uh, and this is the one that was suggested, wasn't it? Yeah. It yeah. and it's the one that a lot of people are defending. Yeah, people and seem to really I don't like quite it. Grasp what they like about it. I think some people yeah. like like the horror elements of it, and I don't. I don't think the horror elements are done terribly. Um, I think like the the pictures with like the zombies attacking and stuff are okay. Um, I just, in the context of the film, I just. They're, they're not effective because, again, because once you've lost your suspension of disbelief in a movie, it can't work for you no matter what it does. So. Yeah, it's uh, I posted I was watching it. Group, uh, whatever. Uh, some people were just I was talking about like, yeah, I don't know. didn't really enjoy it. Don't like the documentary or anything. And yeah, multiple people showed up like, oh, I loved this one. I thought it was great. I thought it was creepy. Yeah. Oh, like, I'd heard good really? things about this one before. It was something I'd considered watching, you know, long ago um, because I'd heard good things. And now I just, now I know those things I heard were wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So three kind of mess. Yeah, yeah, I'd put it yeah. in the mess. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life or anything like that. Yeah. I just don't think I'd ever watch it again. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't recommend it. Um, like, if you haven't seen it, uh, in case I haven't been clear enough, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not something I would tell people to see. Um it, it it doesn't even have like that redeemable value of like, oh, if you had people over and you were just having fun with it or whatever, there's no, not even jump scares or anything like that. So, which there shouldn't be given the format, but I don't know. Uh, well, Doug, do you want to tell us about Howard's Mill? Howard's Mill is the, it's the movie you get if you watch, um, if you watch Savage Land on Tubi and then you just do the scroll down and see what it recommends next, you automatically get Howard's Mill, which is really convenient that we team those up. Um, and basically, it's uh, another faux documentary. In this case, there's a guy whose wife has gone missing. The documentary crew uh, shows up to like do an interview with him. And shortly thereafter, they come to realize that other people have gone missing on this same property over the course of many years and they start uh, so now the guy joins up with the documentary crew he's now part of the crew which was a little bit awkward um <laughs> and he's they're going around and investigating trying to figure out what's going on 
and there's a guy next door that they think may have done it. They actually end up finding out that, uh, you know, different people have disappeared. They actually have footage of one of the people actually disappearing, which is kind of nuts. They have stories of people who claim to have come back after disappearing there, even though the timelines don't make any sense. And they basically spend the, it, it. It's very typical documentary of a lot of like interviewing the locals about the weird stories that go on and um, a lot of the typical talking head type stuff. And I don't know, I guess the spoiler of it is that something supernatural is causing people to disappear on the property and reappear 10 years later, which for two of the people involved, it results in them reappearing in places where they cannot survive after. So one of them, one of them, there's a pond that was filled in. And so when the person disappeared and then they came back, they were underwater and drowned. The other one was in a room that had been boarded up. So presumably just starved to death after reappearing 10 years after their disappearance. Six year old kid, which makes you even. Yeah. Yeah. That, you talked about the horror elements not being dark enough in the other film and not being executed well. I mean, just the moment when they find that body and then when the reveal comes, like pieced together gradually over the rest of the movie of what happened. And you're like, oh, so this kid was like playing in a room, disappeared to we don't know where we never find out where they're going when they're disappeared. And then just like woke up one day like, oh, I'm still in my room. Okay, good. I'll go back to playing except there's a wall there now and I can't leave. And since nobody was living in the house, there was no one to call for help. And mm-hmm. however long it took for that person to just die. And the fact that they, something occurred in my brain when I was watching it, the fact that when they find the body, it's like in the bed. So you can imagine this kid who's like just suffering and not knowing what to do and just like crawling back into their bed because it's like their safe space and then being too weak to get up and eventually just dying there. And it, 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 it kind of like got me a little bit. I'm like, Oh, that's really heart wrenching. Like that's, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Same thing with the little girl that disappears and reappears in the, uh, in the pond. And you're like, oh, imagine that. the like, fact, just... the fact that her dad probably missed saving her by minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh. Yeah. Uh, so when this one started, I was sort of of the same, like, uh, even though I knew what it was going to be, it's not like this was a surprise, but it's like, eh, documentary stuff. That's super interesting. The true crime stuff is like, eh, okay. I'm going to try to prove that this guy didn't kill his wife. I didn't really go very far suddenly if some scientist is talking about theoretical time travel and shit and suddenly i sat up going huh what now time travel suddenly my my interest was peaked like what the fuck's going on so then i got way more into this one than i did the last one probably just because of the weird time travel stuff that makes sense. That does appeal to your predisposition. It sure does. Um, that's fair. I mean, I think that they also, I think, bring in the supernatural stuff a lot earlier in this one because we have that video of the like the old like 1994 video of the girl disappearing. We get that relatively early on. 
so you know something super fucking weird is happening rather than it being more kind of a, a question of what we're going to see. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's, there's really, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys and I'm way more positive on this one. I thought the pacing was good. And I think the story that they tell is good. I think at the end, once the audience knows it's time travel, that they, they go a little too over the top with it and they probably could have pulled back a little bit. And I feel like the, the ending's not very tight. That's my, that's my complaint too. Yeah, it meanders off a bit at the end, and you're like, ah, you guys had such a good third act. You just needed to, like, snap it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I... Part of me wishes they gave a, like, a more detailed explanation as to exactly what was happening, and we had more answers. And then part of me feels like if they tried, they would have screwed that up. So it's like, I don't know. So I'm not sure how you would have ended it, really other than having it cut forward 10 years and having that guy reunite with his wife, which would have been interesting. Oh, I, I think the best way to have it end, they should have explained who the fuck the girl was. Yeah. I really liked that storyline of the little girl that was found. And she kept saying she was the, the girl that had the girl that had gone missing from the house. That's on this property where everyone goes missing. Um, and when they kept, I, I, I want to know who she is. And I was intrigued by her story and her coming back and remembering different things. And we never get really any explanation. Yeah. Cause like, she's the one that knew that there was a room behind the wall and what it looked like and all this kind of stuff, which is all very convincing that she was that girl, but then they find the girl dead in there. So who the fuck was she? And how did she know all that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's what's her deal? Where did she come from? And they said they did genetic testing on her and they basically proved because at first what I was thinking is, OK, maybe there's like multiple versions. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a weird you know, multiversal sort of thing. Right, right, right. Where one of them came back at one point and then the same girl came back again. But the the paternity testing kind of blows that out of the water. So now all of a sudden you've just got this fucking mystery girl. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I wish that would have been the thing where at the end they could have been like, we found out that there was another missing girl and it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's tough too. Cause there's also a point where she accuses the, the neighbor who's kind of the red herring that we're led to believe might be kidnapping these people or whatever. At one point she's basically saying, well, I think that's my dad. So she thinks she lived in the house on the property and she thinks the neighbor is actually her dad. And it turns out none of that's true. And it's like, well then who is she? And it feels like, well, well uh, but that once a, again, but that fits with the story of the dead girl again. Because remember, he found the baby and was taking care of the baby for a while. Yeah. What? Know, it's just weird. It's it's weird because it, they're like, it is her, but it's not her somehow. And it's like, I don't understand. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it wasn't clear exactly what they wanted us to think she, who, who they wanted us to think she was. Like, it's like as if the they're like, well, we don't know. So you guys don't get to know anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is a confusing part of it. There's still some weird unanswered questions. Yeah, I mean, even if the reveal was going to be that she was like some friend of that girl's or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the reveal should have been, but I, I feel like, yeah, it, it, there was, it was too big of a question to leave it without even a, we don't even have an, an inkling of an answer. Right. And it's like they did, like the documentary crew was just like, huh, weird, and just moved on. Yeah. 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 They also do introduce the element of possibly aliens. It's implied, yeah. Or they call them watchers, just sort of slender man looking creatures that sort of observe everything. Right. And yeah, and they bring up the whole fact that people have the feeling of being watched several times, but then that never comes back. No. Yeah. yeah like the crew, the documentary crew never runs into like a situation. So I thought it was going to happen that they would. Well, yeah, because they set up trail cams at one point and they keep showing us these trail cams and I keep waiting for these watchers to show up in the trail cams. They don't. Why are we spending so much time on these trail cams? Instead, you get that appearance of that little boy at the end. Yeah. And I was like, that's eh, a little weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe that could just be a commentary on how sort of the stories get blown out of proportion in towns like this, like essentially yeah. like folk stories. I don't think they did it very well, but that that might that might be what they were trying to do. Yeah, which I did want to say. I thought uh, the majority of the actors that played like locals that did interviews yep. were actually really good in this movie. I, I actually agree. I think uh, they were like the old couple that was like across the street or whatever. Yeah. They were fantastic. Them, some of the other people, I just felt like they were really natural and it made it feel like a real documentary. But then some of the main actors who were some of our main characters, like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, they're they're yeah. act they're acting in this scene for sure. But the um the when they went to the historical society, there was two different like historical talking head types, and they nailed it as like the small town, like I run the historical society for this town you've never heard of. Like mm -hmm. yeah. I'm super excited and I know all these details about like who built that farm over there and all this shit, and none of it matters, but they're so excited that somebody's finally asked them and they get to tell it. All that stuff is fun. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Most of the acting, I think, is good. I think who was pretty good was the uh, the dad of the girl in, that was in the lake. Mm -hmm. We see him like at a younger age, but we don't see his face or stuff. And then when they catch up with him and they interview him, and he's been like super depressed because you know his daughter going missing, and that's that, that adds to the the impact of finding out that he was like a minute away from saving her just because he showed up and found her hair ribbon or whatever it was. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I thought there were a lot of cool ideas in the in the movie. Maybe weren't all ex- executed super well, but at least kept me mildly interested in the last movie. Yeah, yeah, like I think this one, my my own, my big complaints are they they should have given some kind of a payoff to the the weird girl who thought she was the other girl, and that the ending needed to be snappier. And I think they could have done both those things at the same time. Yeah, there could have been a way to do it. But really, well, besides that, I was kind of into it. I'm kind of way the story unfolds. I liked all the reveals, like especially with the the like dead girl in the lake whenever they're scuba diving and they kind of do what documentaries do in which you kind of see a shape and then they're like, oh, we've got a we've got a remains, you know. And the the what's the what's the word the verisimilitude of it because it does look like something on oak island or one of those shows although different because they actually found something (laughs) yeah it was um yeah it, it was well made i think they now that i'm thinking about it that um the migrant family that disappeared and the son was the only one left. They also never brought that back up again. Like theoretically it's been more than 10 years. Shouldn't his family have popped back up? Yeah. I think so. Which I thought that guy was the worst actor in the whole thing. Yeah. He was a little bit rough, but I can forgive like a little bit of off acting in like a, you know, a low-budget film. It's fine. Nobody, I think, was atrociously bad. Anything else before we move on? No, I think that's it. This one's actually, a, a, I think, a recommend. If you like this kind of thing, it's a recommend. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, if you, it's not the best of these types of movies that you're going to see, but if you do like them, I'd, go ahead. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch? Well, I'm halfway through season five of Breaking Bad, so I'm I'm in the home stretch finally. <laughs> I just I just got to where uh, Walt kills Mike. Oh, I'm into the home stretch. Yeah, it's coming right up on the end there. Yeah, man, Ace, there really is a tonal shift from like halfway to the end of season four to season five it gets just yeah. real dark yeah it, yeah it, yeah season five to say the least is so i'm just trying to think i don't want to spoil anything like where's jesse at right now uh well see i that's already been spoiled i know jesse gets abducted eventually yeah but, but he, not... he has not been yet 
it's it's not a happy situation. It's not one of those. Like, there's no Stockholm no. syndrome going on. It's dark no. as shit. Uh, one of the characters that's pretty much responsible for it that you've met already on the show. You will absolutely hate this person before before the show's over. Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know. It, like, I, I kind of get how they've been building Walt throughout the series, and the fact that he's he's kind of full of shit, even to himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get you get into season five, where all of a sudden he's, I guess, starting to be a little more honest about what's going on, and the fact that you know, no, this isn't about making money for my family. This is about securing my fucking legacy which is weird because it's like well your legacy's being a piece of shit like <laughs> i don't know he's not that big of a piece of shit remember when he shaved his head bald and his son was like fat ass dad when he sat down to have breakfast right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i don't char- know that character kills me sometimes <laughs> It's 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 just an interesting shift going from a good person doing bad things for a misguided but at least a reason to him just like it's like no he's a fucking garbage person and it's like oh. right. that's what that's what Vince Gilligan in an interview he specifically said that was his intention. I never I don't know the character he's referring to but he wanted to take somebody from being Mr. Chips I don't know what Mr. Chips is <laughs> uh, and turn them into Scarface by the time the, uh, the series was over yeah. I, I think it's interesting that he goes from a person thinking he is Scarface to being Scarface <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting uh, but besides that, uh, I did watch a whole bunch of that show Kunk on Earth. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that. Uh, what is fuck, that? Fuck me, that's funny. It's it's a pretty brilliant show. So the, you know, the comedian or whatever doing her, uh, whatever, her female David Attenborough character, you know what I mean, is, is fine. But one of the... I, I read because I wasn't sure how this worked. So all the people they she's interviewing in the show are real honest to God experts. And they're all told, hey, this is a mockumentary. The the interview questions might be silly, but do not make jokes and attempt to answer those questions as honestly and as professionally as you can. Which makes those interviews so fucking weird. And it's great. <laughs> like one guy keeps spiking the camera over and over because he's so fucking uncomfortable with the questions he's asking. He's like, uh, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's worth a watch. It's It's funny. So is it pretty much just like cringe comedy? No, no, I think it's but most of it's just kind of that British uh, 
I, it's almost like just it's all in the phrasing where she keeps explaining like historical stuff in such a stupid fucking way that it makes it hilarious. Like there's an episode where she keeps talking about the pyramids and saying, you know, people make a big deal out of them. But really, at the end of the day, they're just a bunch of racks, rocks stacked on top of one another. <laughs> You know, of course, the expert's trying to be like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. And she goes, yeah, I know. But people are always like, how did they build the pyramid? They they put them on top of each other. It's a bunch of rocks on top of each other. <laughs> You're not technically incorrect. Right. But yeah, it's worth, it's worth a watch. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think I had time to watch anything else. I really wanted to go watch Knock at the Cabin, but I haven't had a chance to get out to the theater. I talked about that last week, right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. All right. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. So first up, I went and saw The Whale, finally. Um, new Darren Aronofsky movie that is getting all sorts of hype. With weirdly yeah. fat Brendan Fraser in it. Yeah. Um, this movie's absolutely fucking amazing. Like, everything positive you've heard about it is correct, and everything negative you've heard about it is from people who don't understand movies. <laughs> um, maybe the most emotionally impactful movie I've ever seen in my life. It's just heart-wrenching when it wants to be the performances are absolutely amazing like brendan frazier like i was kind of worried because when hollywood actors like ugly themselves up for a role they tend to get a lot of praise so i kind of figured that's what's going on here i was like oh he puts on a fat suit so everyone roots for him but no he acts through that suit and it is utterly stunning the way he's able to portray pain and suffering that the character is going through throughout the whole film. Um, Sadie Sink plays his daughter, which I didn't even know because that's how little attention I pay to things when I decide to go see a movie. Um, and she's amazing. Like She plays this like rebellious teenager and you're like, okay, yeah, that's what she does on Stranger Things, but no. like She does the very serious version of that and she plays like a very modern character and nails it. Just fucking perfect. Um... Is that the Just, redhead girl? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I didn't I didn't know the name. So yeah, no, that's all right. But I mean, like, I mean, there's only like five speaking roles in the movie. So <laughs> the fact that two of them I'm sitting here and saying are amazing. There's also like Brendan Fraser character's ex-wife shows up for one scene and she's really good. I don't know who the actress is. Um, but it's yeah, the whole movie is just the last week in this guy's life. Like you're basically told early in the movie that he's eaten himself to the point where he has a uh, heart failure and he's got a week to go before he dies unless he goes to the hospital. And he just says, I'm not going to. So that's off the table. So you're basically told beginning of the movie that your main character is going to die. And he decides to spend his final week trying to reconnect with his long lost daughter. And so then we get, we get the backstory of like what happened to that family and everything leading up to it and eventually leading to the explanation for why he's done this to himself. And it's, 
it's it's so sad and it captures the pain of life in such a way where you're just like everything's complicated and nothing has a right answer like you know so like the story is that he was like married with a kid realized he was gay and fell in love with another man and left and then you get up but you get you get the complexity of it where he's like i wanted to be in my daughter's life still but my ex wouldn't let me and then you get but then you have her show up for a scene and like where you've you've been picturing her as this villain and she's like i just needed you gone because i was in so much pain and you're like yeah i get that too and it just turns out that sometimes in life there's just no right answers to anything and that's what this movie captures in a way that i've never seen a movie capture before and at the same time you're dealing with this main character who's essentially committing suicide throughout the movie it's it, the same way like nick cage's character was just going to drink himself to death and leaving las vegas you're watching this character just decide to eat himself to death in this movie and you're like oh my god it's it's so horrific and i don't know it just this movie works on so many levels like it like there's people who have accused it of being like air quotes like fat phobic or whatever but it's it's not at all it it really shows that, first of all, that people do terrible things to themselves when they're grieving. Um, and I think it really captures the idea that people who are that level of overweight are not, it's not just, oh, you refuse to stop having Doritos. It's an illness. It's an addiction like any other addiction. And, you know, watching him do this to himself is no different from watching a drug addict who can't stop using and you know they're sad because they use and then they use because they're sad and then they're sad because they use and there's this vicious cycle that eventually destroys them and that's what's happening to this character um but i've never seen a film be so honest about it before and even just like it has that element of it because obviously he's like kind of a shut-in because of his size and it has that element of it where they keep saying, like, there's multiple characters who say to him, like, you should, like, go out and enjoy, like, be part of the world. Like, that's, you'll feel better if you do that. But then when he tries, we get the reaction of the world to see someone like him where we're like, nope, he's not wanted out there, you know? And again, it's that vicious cycle of, like, I'm locked in the house because I hate the world. And then if I try to open myself up to the world, the world's going to reject me and I'm going to be back in the house. And that cyclical nature of being an outcast that is just, again, so devastating. I like I, I watched this movie and when I left the theater, I'm like, I can't go home. I can't just like go sit on my couch and like watch YouTube videos and play a game on my phone before I go to bed. Like I was just walking around and it was like a rainy night. And it was like, I was like, even the next day, like when I started, because, you know, I, I'm that kind of guy. I started looking up like interviews with Brendan Fraser and Darren Aronofsky to talk about the movie. I started getting emotional just listening to the interviews with them. I was really not happy again until I watched Chopping Mall like a day and a half later, which I, which I watched specifically to cheer myself up. <laughs> it, just an utter, utterly heart wrenching film. Just and it. It has happy moments in it, too, and they're done perfectly as well. And it has moments where things are both happy and sad simultaneously. And it's like, yeah, because life's complicated and life's complicated for this character and for real people. And I don't know. Just blown away. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining it or not, but I was just 
blown away by everything in this film. And it's like, at one point, I think I was crying tears of joy and tears of sadness at the same time while watching this movie. Uh, and I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, so, I've been interested in checking it out, but I haven't. I just, it, 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 it really hit me. And, you know, I don't know. Did you want to go do some sit-ups afterwards? Oh, there was an element to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. Because it's like, because I definitely, like, obviously I'm, well, not maybe it's not obvious. I don't know. People don't know what I look like. But <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like 600 pounds, but I have been extremely overweight in my life. And I have, there's scenes in this movie that capture that really well. Like, scenes where he, like, has to like really struggle to get up off the couch and he goes over to the kitchen, he opens the drawer and there's like bags of chocolate bars in there and he grabs them and then he kind of looks down at them for a second and he puts them back in and then he's like thinking for a moment and then he just fuck it and he pulls them back out and starts eating and you're just like that's that's addiction that's what people don't understand about about it, it, it it's he knows he shouldn't do it. He knows better and he's going to do it anyway. And that is what it's like when you're, when you're, when you're suffering from whatever you want to call it, whether you want to call it addiction or mental illness or whatever that causes you to eat at that level. It's like, it's not like you don't know you shouldn't. It's not like meth heads don't know that meth's bad for you. It's the same thing, you know? And, uh, the way they capture it is just, I don't know. It was, and that, I mean, I mean, that's part of it too. Maybe I can relate to the character because I have had, again, not to that extreme, but I've had that issue and I've had, you know, definitely the issue of feeling like an outcast and, you know, you try to open yourself up and everyone goes, fuck you. And you go, oh, right. That's why I'm an outcast. That's why, that's why I stay home all the time. It's because that's what the world's like. I forgot, you know? Um, so yeah, like it, Anyways, blown away by it. Darren Aronofsky's a genius storyteller. The um, credit should go to the scriptwriter too. It's based on a play, and the script, the guy that wrote the play, wrote the script for the movie, and it's really tight. And there's like there's certain characters that get introduced, and you're not really sure why they're there. And then as it plays out, you're like, oh, well, that was a really important character to have in this movie, and that really advanced, you know, the emotional impact on all these characters a lot, even though it seemed kind of awkward at the time. And we get like um, sort of the only person in Charlie's life is this like nurse that comes by to help care for him. And she's like a friend of his. And then as the movie progresses, we get the backstory of who she is and how they became friends. And you're like, oh, shit, like it's you're like that's and then you start to feel really bad for her because she's now going through something utterly terrible again as well because she's got this person she cares about who's she's watching them die and i guess spoiler alert this is the second time that's happened to that character and you're like oh god like she's just she's just doing her best to take care of the people she cares about and it's not working and you you feel atrocious for her there's also interestingly enough there's like a real religious element to the movie and they even delve into the complexity of of religion in a way that most films don't. Like it's in some ways, religion is the villain of the movie. Um, religion is the cause of a lot of pain and suffering. 
but they go out of their way to point out that that's like it's not i don't know how to say it like it's not the religion that's the problem it's the people that are the problem and like you don't necessarily like you could have faith in something and not be an asshole but people seem to be incapable of doing that and it's the 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 way it's approached is very interesting i thought again if you're just superficially looking at it you're going to think okay they're just trying to trash religion and in some ways they are but it's it's deeper than that I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to check it out at some point. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have a discussion with you afterwards and see if... Because sometimes, you know, when a movie grabs you, you start to add things to it, and I'm wondering if... Uh, I'm wondering if it'll have the same impact on other people, but obviously it's having a huge impact on a lot of people. And it was... And it's doing really well, which is good for a movie like this. I'm glad to see it's doing very well. People are respecting it. Yeah. Well, uh, when I was at the theater watching it, it got moved to a bigger screen. So I walked in and I, I went to my screening. When I came back out, they had changed the signs. So the next day it would be showing on the in the bigger theater. So oh, nice. I was like, that's good. I'm glad that happened. <laughs> uh, he was on an episode of the podcast Fly on the Wall, which is the David Spade, Dana Carvey one where they talk about SNL a lot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and apparently he hosted twice, which I don't, I don't really, him on yeah, I, I don't have any significant memories of yeah. it. Um, but so they need to talk a little bit about that and they saw it, they could kind of go over his career some, but yeah, then they do get into some of the stuff about the whale and everything. So if you're interested in learning more about that kind of stuff, that might be interesting to hear. So I talked to him for like over an hour. So, yeah. Um, he did talk about that they rehearsed a lot before they did the movie. And apparently they just went to an empty soundstage and they had taped off what the set was going to be. So they could just even like sort of, uh, sort of block everything. Yeah. It would be like most of the film takes place basically in a, in a room. And that's, I think it's because it's based on a play. Yeah, there's there's certain times where like there's a window and he can when people leave, he can watch them leave by walk, watching them walk by the window. And you're like, that's obviously directly taken from the play. Like you can you can imagine what that would look like on a stage kind of thing. Um, but, it yeah, it would have been it would have been good for that because they could have basically I mean, if you had access to a couch and some kind of a table, you can basically have the whole set set up. It wouldn't be yeah. fully dressed or whatever, but there's not much to it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it it's it's so good. I want to see it again, but I don't think I'm like ready emotionally mm-hmm. to see it again. Oh yeah, no, I know. Is that is that like a compliment to the film or a criticism of the film? <laughs> I don't know. But no, it is. It's it's yeah. trust me. One of my favorite movies is. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. Since my divorce, I've been having a real big urge to watch it, but I know that uh, it's probably not a good idea. So I haven't. I I am not ashamed to say that every time I watch that movie, I weep openly. Oh, yeah. Uh, It had an impact on me, too. It's been a while since I saw it because of the impact it had on me. Yeah. 
and it might like to your point brian post by a my whatever you call it (laughs) there's certain there's certain things that i just don't go back to now because it's like now once you've i don't know no, I just, just yeah, I just, I'm like, this is going to put me in a horrible frame of mind if I watch it, even though I think it's supposed to have a positive message by the end. Yeah. Uh, so maybe not. Well, and some things, you know, I don't know, like, like, cause the whale does has, it has technically a positive ending. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a bit ambiguous the same way like say the wrestler is ambiguous towards the end but it's i would say less than the wrestler um but it is um it it is i think meant to be happy and it's like okay yeah technically but that's not what happy is like i don't know it's almost like one of those like best case scenario more so than a happy movie I don't know, like, but like uh, in, in this utter shit, well, at least this happened. God, is, that, is that anything? And it is like, there is, there's a resolution to the daughter's story, which is really heartwarming. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's, I don't know with that, like without getting into really detailed plot spoilers, it's like you basically, you find out she's a good person after not being able to tell for most of the movie. And it's like, there's a moment where you're like, Oh, so we already know our main character is going to die, but now he's going to get to die knowing that knowing that his daughter is a decent human being. Who's got a chance in life rather than not at all. And that, that, that was a big thing for him was needing to know that she'd be okay. And he gets that, and you're just like, "Oh, thank God!" Like one little thing. I know it's it's not living. I mean, it's not staying alive, which would be the ultimate victory. But yeah, but also staying alive would have been a huge cheat when they tell you at the beginning of the movie that he's not going to. So I don't know. Did I ramble enough about that one yet? Uh, well, I was just going to ask if you watched anything more heartwarming. Uh, I went back and watched Black Swan after. So I'm like, <laughs> I haven't seen that since it was new. And that's um, heartwarming. It's not particularly uplifting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, sorry. Black Swan doesn't grab me on the same level. I think possibly because I just I have a lot more trouble relating to the world of ballerinas than I do anything else. I think it's an extremely well made film, and it captures. It's obviously at least in part meant to be a condemnation of the pressure that we put on these girls who are in these positions. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I already hate the people who do that stuff. So I don't anybody who yells at girls because they're not dancing well enough it's already a garbage person i just don't like i don't like that whole world so uh you get to watch natalie portman and mila kunis make out though that's positive yeah it's it's quite the positive i'll tell you that there's a couple of scenes in that movie where i'm just like like yeah like it's it's fun to watch and then i'm like how did they get natalie portman to do these things like she's <laughs> she's not that person but i guess because it is this artistic film it's like well, well take that risk um 
And yeah, it's 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 extremely well made. It just doesn't have the impact on me as some of Aronofsky's other stuff because I have more trouble relating to it personally. So. Yeah. So I think I would identify with the wrestler more than I would Black Swan. Yeah. Like for me, like the wrestler and the whale, those are things where I like, they just grab me right away because I can relate to it. Even if obviously I've never been a wrestler, but I relate to that character. I I understand who that is, you know? Whereas like, I still like people who take dancing very, very seriously. I'm just like, I guess, but even like ballet dancing, I'm like, if if you mess it up, really the only people are going to know are going to be the other ballet dancers. None of the people in the crowd know what you're supposed to be doing up there. (laughs) Like it's, which I had heard, and I know I don't know level or how much truth there is to it, but I had heard that Aronofsky was working on a movie idea about a wrestler falling in love with the ballerina. Um, <laughs> and they just decided to make two movies out of it. And he decided <laughs> to split it up and make them two separate movies. Yeah, that's interesting because. One of the things I find interesting in The Wrestler is that it's sort of because he's falling for the stripper. It is sort of a look at these two industries that are kind of grab hold of people, abuse them physically and emotionally, and then just kind of spit them out the other end. And the idea is that she is because she kind of recognizes that she's able to use to her advantage and come out. She's going to walk away and go buy a new home for her and her kid. But because he is addicted to that glory element of it, he's not able and not able to kind of separate himself from it. He's gone down this darker road. And I thought that was really interesting. But then seeing Black Swan and seeing like, yeah, obviously it is a condemnation of this ballet industry and the way it treats these women. It obviously like it, it, it is almost like you could replace the, the stripping industry with the ballet industry in the wrestler. It'd just be a little harder to picture if you yeah. were wandering into a ballet. <laughs> It'd have to be some different script changes to make it make more sense, but they could have met at the gym. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, look, if Aronofsky had decided to do it, it would, would have turned out just fine. Uh, but I think he did it and he made the right choice by making that into two different uh, movies. But uh, yeah, like, and the other thing in Black Swan is that Mila Kunis is like a really good actress. Do you guys know about that? I just know her as like the goofy girl for some things. I don't know. And I just think, oh, look, she's acting really, really well in this movie. Yeah, I like her in just about everything I see her in. I don't really, like, I guess I know her like from sitcoms and the occasional comedy movie. I can't even think of what comedy movies she's in. It's more like I know theoretically she's in them. It's in the Bad Moms movies. I don't know if I've seen those. They're actually a lot of fun, which is surprising. Oh, I'm sure they are. I just isn't one of them a Christmas movie. Yeah, totally. Weird. I Anyways. was hoping I was hoping they'd have more of a franchise. They would do maybe at least a couple more, but um, I don't know. You want to talk about some stuff that's more like appropriate for the podcast? I think it's I... all appropriate, but sure. Because I watched a movie called Viking Wolf. If you want to know about that. <laughs> that sounds like it belongs on this show. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age werewolf story from Norway. Does that seem like something? I can try to pronounce the Norwegian title for it if you want, but I'm not going to. 
now that I'm staring at it, I'm like, no, I'm not going to try to say that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a new girl in town witnesses a murder. Everyone thinks, oh my gosh, it must have been a wolf. But this is too big to be a wolf. And since at the beginning of the movie, they gave us a whole backstory as to how this magical werewolf thing would have come to Norway through the uh, Vikings kidnapping it from somewhere else. We're pretty sure that's what it is. But eventually the girl gets bit and we get sort of a Norwegian ginger snaps of this like teenage girl gradually turning into a werewolf while she's being bullied and stuff. And it's a... I don't. I, I'm a sucker for werewolf movies, and so this. Anytime I find a good one, it makes me pretty happy. And this one was a good one. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much there is to say about it, but like, other than it's Norwegian ginger snaps, kind of. It's deeper than that. It has. It has more. It it borrows heavily from ginger snaps, but that's okay. It it does have more going on to it too. With like, it follows a lot of the. Uh, the mom of the girl is like investigating the murders that are going on. And she like, she's a cop obviously. And then it kind of follows that as well. And it, I think it does it pretty well. They ever working with this like veterinarian guy trying to figure out what's going on. And he's like, I don't know. They're wolf bites, but they're too big. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I know <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like, so, um, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a Netflix original, which Netflix is apparently doing original films from foreign countries now, which is an interesting idea. But uh, worth checking out, unless you're in one of the countries where they're clamping down on their password sharing, so you no longer have access to Netflix. But no comment on that. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm dropping my Netflix anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, mine was dropped for me, so whatever. <laughs> I don't even like watch anything on it unless it's Stranger Things or Cobra Kai. So, yeah, that's a uh, Cobra Kai is like I didn't like I, I was thinking to myself, I'll sign up for a month when the Cobra Kai comes back. If at the time I still want to, but I don't even know that I'll finish out Stranger Things. It was debatable before, but now if I'd have to pay to see it, eh. yeah, ouch. So, I don't know. On the other hand, now that I've lost that, I got my Prime uh, back. Well, I was just going to mention they are, they've announced that they're getting rid of all of Arrested Development off of Netflix. Oh, really? So we've hit that bubble where all the streamers that have original content now are like, well, let's take it off there. Yeah, well, that's it's, good because then you can get like Arrested Development showing up somewhere like Tubi, which would be great. Yeah. But it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, we've, we've hit this weird spot where suddenly people, uh, apparently piracy has gone back up again because of yeah. shit like this. Yeah, and, because uh, if everything you want to watch is like 45 things and you know, like, I, I don't want, I don't want to pay $15 a month times 12 to be able to watch everything. So you're either not watching stuff or you're there's going to be more piracy. Well, and then they're also getting rid of shit. So, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I don't know. The whole idea of, of owning something and not making it available at all 
blows my mind. Like I know right. Disney had a system for a while where they would like put stuff in the vault or whatever. That was special. But everyone else, it's like if you own the rights to a TV show, make it available to the public. Like how can that be a bad thing? I don't understand. Even if you're releasing it for free, at least you're keeping it in the consciousness and, you know, maybe one day you'll get to sell a T-shirt of it or something. I don't know. Yeah. But like, why would you, why would you want to hide something that you own? Well, I know in HBO's case, some of it was so they wouldn't have to pay royalty payments. But how can, isn't royalty payments got to be in somewhat based on how often it gets watched? Hmm? I don't know. So if they, so if they take it off their stream, off their service, don't have to pay it because nobody's watching it. Um, if they sell it to another streaming service, then they're at least making money off of it, which they can then use to pay royalties. Yeah. But some of their stuff they took down and didn't ship off anywhere else, right? No, yeah. The other stuff that's just not available. And it's like, well, that's genius. Like, what a really, really good idea. <laughs> man, they, man, they, they fuck everything up so bad, man. I just don't. Why are industries, and it's not just the entertainment industry, but the entertainment industry seems to be the worst for it. Like, you've got these customers out there. Crazy idea. Give them what they fucking want at a reasonable price, and then everyone wins. But it's that's not good enough for these guys. It's like, no. it's as if they genuinely don't want you to. Like, they want to have 100% control, and they want, it's, I don't get it. Like, just... Make your product available at a reasonable price. Let people watch it and enjoy it. I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, it's all bad. I don't know. Not that I need them like Batgirling a bunch of stuff where they make it and then just never show it. That's maybe not even, that's worse, but it's. Ah, fuck it. Anyways, I watched one more thing. <laughs> Let's move yeah. on. Okay. It's not that good, but at least it at least it moves us on from me getting angry about that. Um, I watched the movie Samaritan with Sylvester oh, Stallone. Oh yeah. The, he's you know, the whole thing is he's a superhero and he's retired and some kid finds him and it's like, hey, you're that superhero. You should come help everybody. And you know, because it's a movie, conveniently, the local gang leader has resurrected the persona of his enemy and is now using that persona to like cause havoc in the streets and has grabbed the weapons of his old enemy so he's oh no what if I do I come out of retirement and fight that guy or don't I Uh, which you can just only imagine the level of suspense in wondering whether he's going to end up fighting (laughs) the bad guy or not because you know Stallone? because movies are pretty unpredictable um so here's the thing. This I'm a sucker for these movies of like, like I'm a sucker for like the Rocky Balboa movie about like the old guy that comes out of retirement for one last fight. And then you add that in like, you know, like a Dark Knight Returns or something like that or a Kingdom Come, like anything where you're bringing the old guys back for one more fight. Obviously, Logan is the best example of it. It's like, I love that idea. And there's two ways you can do it because of the way this movie is set up with like a kid finding him and stuff, right? You can either do like dark, serious, like Logan rated R, Sylvester Stallone putting his fist through people's chests movie. Or you could do it as 
like more of a fun kids movie where the kid has to convince them and your kid is kind of your point of view character. And the problem with this movie is it kind of walks the middle. Like there's scenes where the bad guys are like wreaking havoc and causing chaos is literally like riots in the street and cars burning and everybody's wearing masks that are designed to look like the mask of the villain that was, you know, killed before the story started. And it's, it's real dark. And there's a scene where like, I guess it's minor spoiler alert, but the, the main character kid is like, kind of like mixed in with this gang. And at one point, because he's not like, doing what you're told they pin him down and like hold his arm out and use a giant wrench to break it and it's some pretty dark shit like it's like you're like they just hold this child down and stretch his arm out and you see the wrench swinging and then like a train goes by and makes all the noise so you, it drowns out the screaming of the kid and you're like that's pretty dark stuff to the kids like well maybe i can learn to fight by getting this uh, superhero to teach me and then you get these last action hero like sequences of him like following stallone around being like oh come on you're the hero aren't you come on show me how to box do you and you're like ah there's a tonal problem here <laughs> those two <laughs> things shouldn't be in the same movie i don't think and I'm, uh, it feels like they kind of missed the ball a little bit it's not terrible it's, it's and stallone's the perfect casting for it because he's He's a hundred year old man that still looks like a superhero, right? Which is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And there, there are a couple of plots. There's one big plot twist towards the end of the movie that like, I figured it out before it happened, but I didn't figure it out until shortly before it happened, which is pretty good for like a, a mainstream movie like this to have a plot twist that I don't see coming until five minutes before. And it's, um, it was a neat twist. I liked it. I won't, won't even spoil it. But um, so it's kind of like a, a real middle of the road. Like I don't know if I recommend this or not. As Martin Starr in it, that's always a selling point. Oh, that may uh, push me over the edge. He's yeah, he plays like a it's a small role, but he plays like a journalist who's been writing articles about the fact that this uh, superhero is still alive. And so the kid keeps going to him and being like, "I think I found the guy." And then, like, we find out through dialogue that the kid's gone to him, like, about a whole bunch of different guys that he thought were the guy. He's like, yep. Yeah. Was it, like, the time it was your janitor at your school? He was really strong for a janitor. And then he's like, what about your neighbor who just outran a pit bull? It was a really fast dog, though. It's like, there's some fun moments like that. Again, which don't belong in a movie where people are. Like, the bad guys have a plot to, like, take down the power grid to cause anarchy in our society. And you're like, uh, I don't know if that's the plot from a movie where you have a kid annoying Martin Starr because Martin Starr's <laughs> about the speed of a pit bull. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if those two things go hand in hand, but you try though. <laughs> so it's like, if you have prime, it's like, you know, it's free to watch. So yeah, it's, it's probably worth it. If you, if the idea appeals to you, I've been thinking about it. I just, Pulled the trigger on it. I was like super excited for it when I first heard about it. And then I just, for some reason it just, maybe I heard about it too soon, too far before it came out. So I'd like lost interest by the time it came out. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Imagine like Logan mixed with the other X-Men movies. That's how I would describe it. It's like, what if, what if you had a, a Logan story, but then like for some reason, 
they just started editing in scenes from the uh, the other young cast X Men movies. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work, but. <laughs> And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Unless you want to talk about the whale again, because I can probably say more things. Uh, I caught up on The Last of Us because a friend of mine was bugging me because I hadn't watched it yet. Yeah, how is it? Uh, it's all right. Like it's got some good moments. It's got some bad moments, but I feel like I like The Walking Dead better. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's only five episodes in, so maybe. <clears throat> is it zombies? Or am I uh, supposed to know that? They, they don't say the Z word. And apparently I just read today that uh, crew on the sets are not allowed to say the Z word. I don't know what happens if they do. I'm sure someone will just be like, dude, we told you not to say that. And that'll be the end of it. But um, well, I like to think it's like more of like a physical punishment. <laughs> That'd be good. You just have to go star in a movie with Alec Baldwin next. Ooh. Doug with the timely jokes. Um, no, it's, I mean, they're pretty open from the beginning. It's some weird, like fungus that infects people. Okay. Um, they're more like infected, but they do end up dying from it, but their bodies still are animated. So technically they are zombies, but it, it seems like the the cause of it is weird mutated fungus. Okay. Um, which has some interesting stuff that comes into play, but um, no, I don't know. Still feels just like Walking Dead type stuff. Like the world's kind of in a post-apocalyptic looking like, you know, society has fallen sort of situation. Is it like more dramatic, like Walking Dead? Is it like more about the conflict between the people than it is about the disease? Is that the idea? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's definite moments of that. First five episodes, um, have dealt with people needing to barter with other, you know, other people for stuff, and then there's a whole episode about two guys who uh, met during during this whole situation kind of uh, sort of fell in love and built a life together in the middle of all this. Um, the last couple is uh, our main characters trying to get through uh city. Is it supposed to be? I don't know what city it's supposed to be. Is it Baltimore? Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's like being run by this essentially a warlord and they're not supposed to be in the city. So they are trying to figure out how to escape from the city without being caught. It has very little to do with the actual infected. So I don't know. It's got its moments, Uh, but people are like losing it over the show. And I'm like, it's okay. It's just, I don't know. I feel like it's retreading stuff that Walking Dead already did, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had a chance to watch it, I'd be like, yeah, sure, go for it. But a friend of mine, he he watched The Walking Dead also, 
for some reason he's losing his mind over this show. And every time you bring it up, he's like, have you watched it yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, why not? This seems like it's right up your alley. Why haven't you watched it yet? People like to get excited about things, and I don't know. Yes. I don't agree. <laughs> Which is funny, because then I try to get him to watch shit, and he watches it, and he's like, eh, that was okay. So, I don't fucking know. I'll probably keep going, but, you know. Well, the other thing is, like, I don't know, I, I feel like I need to be able to binge everything now. If you're going to release something week to week, I'm probably not going to watch it week to week. And then it's just a question of whether I'm still in the mood for it by the time all the episodes are available. Yeah. I think I'm probably halfway through this season. There's five episodes out, so I'll just have to catch the next five as they're airing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, so last Friday I decided to watch, uh, Joe Bob on Shudder. Right. He's having his vicious Vegas Valentine's special. Which I don't know, uh, what this first movie had to do with it. Now that I'm thinking, oh, I guess that sort of makes sense. I don't know. First movie they showed was Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Okay. Um, so, um, trying to even think of how to explain. So, this new mall just opened. It's the Phantom uh, of the Paradise without the bitch and music. Well, there is that. Uh, but this new mall that just opened. Strangely, even though it just opened, it's exactly like the mall from Chopping Mall. That's because they shot it in the same mall. It's the same mall? Yep. That mall. Commando, Chopping Mall, Phantom of the Mall. Uh, chopping Chopping Mall, obviously being the greatest accomplishment of that mall. I don't know that Phantom of the Mall stands no. much of a chance of living up to it. No. Uh, we do find out there's someone living in the in the sort of like uh, recesses of the mall, like in the vents and in the weird underground rooms that don't seem like they were purposefully built by the people who constructed them all. Uh, and this person starts killing off people at the mall by one. Um, two main characters, the two girls that work at the mall. One of them has a very tragic backstory where her boyfriend died in a fire. Um, it's just awesome. named Eric. Oh, he is. How did you know? Uh, I was able to guess it based on the information I have so far. <laughs> uh, and then it turns out the guy that's living in the mall is burnt on half of his face. What? I know, right? That's a, Wait uh, a, that's a weird coincidence. <laughs> you do get to see him construct a phantom mask out of a mannequin. That sounds Chop- fun. Chopping the head part up and, of course, breaks off part of the face part of it in the exact shape of what you know sort of everybody recognizes as the phantom of the opera yeah mask um and he wears that around the like half of a face kind of thing or is it the Uh, full face with just the mouth showing one uh it's like the half sort of like goes down the nose and then sweeps over like one cheek like you know sort of like a a third of the face essentially yeah i know i know the one you mean now 
Yeah, yeah. There's basically two Phantom of the Opera masks that have existed throughout all of time, even though they've made like dozens of versions of that story. Yeah. Uh, we do find out that uh, the reason Eric, quote unquote, died in the fire is because uh, people, uh, land developers were trying to get his family to sell their house so they could build this mall and they wouldn't sell. And uh, his parents weren't home, but him and his girlfriend were uh, about to have sex and uh, people came up and set the house on fire and she escaped, but he didn't. Land developers were so evil in the eighties, right? I just, anybody who didn't have the A team there to protect him was screwed. If their land developers showed up, (laughs) Uh, so then as this mall is being opened as the newest high-tech mall, Eric seems to be trying to sabotage multiple parts of it. And, uh, the, the, the guy that owns the mall was one of the guys that set his house on fire and he keeps trying to cover up that there's been murders at the mall. Um, and I, and I know you'll be shocked. Eventually Eric quote unquote gets his revenge. So, um, yeah, the movie's okay. It's got a pretty solid premise. I feel like some of the execution is just not good. That's unfortunate because it, it yeah. is a great premise, actually. Yeah. I've had so I've had a little fun with it here, but actually, I'm very intrigued <laughs> by it. <laughs> there's just a uh, it gets convoluted because there's like a um, a reporter who's sort of like. You know, doing like keeping track of the opening of the mall and stuff. And then the girl who was Eric's girlfriend keeps telling him about how her boyfriend died and he, they, he keeps digging into it. But then finds out that, oh, one of the guys that was caught possibly on video, but it's the 80s, so it's a little grainy, so you can't see it. Might be working at the mall as a security guard now. So then they start kind of going in, like trying to dig into stuff. And I'm just like, all of this shit's unnecessary. All you need is have Eric pop out, kill somebody, go back into hiding, repeat for a while. And that would be a good enough movie. It's a a problem when they overcomplicate their stories and you're like, this isn't, this seems like a slasher setup. Maybe you should just do that. Yeah. Yeah, which there's some pretty good uh, kills and stuff, but I mean it doesn't it doesn't stand up against tire movie, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Watch it with Joe Bob. He uh, cuts in every once in a while and talks some funny stuff and gives some info about the movies and moves on. Uh, the next movie they did was Necromantic, which I did not watch because I had no interest in it. Um, so I've still never seen it. Oh, well. Uh, but the next day I did watch a movie that I missed in my like childhood. People my age seem to love. Since I never watched it, I don't get to share that experience. So I'm like, well, I'm going to watch it. Probably won't get as much out of it, but at least I'll understand what they're talking about. That movie is uh, 1984's Cloak and Dagger. 
Okay. Has either of you guys ever seen this one? Doesn't sound familiar. Oof. Apparently, we were not cloak and dagger people. I know the name, but I don't. I've not seen yeah. it. Uh, so it's Henry Thomas. He has a best friend, uh, some little girl that lives next door to him. They like to go over to like this gaming store and hang out with the guy that runs it in the back room. Which, as I was watching it, I'm like, I don't know. I saw a different different strokes episode about this, and it did not turn out well. See, here's the thing: I saw that episode of Different Strokes too, but also I remember when I collected sports cards in the late '80s and early '90s. Like we would just go hang out with the adults that collected sports cards in the back room of these stores and trades and stuff. Like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, will it help you to know that uh, the guys played by William Forsythe, who's always creepy and everything? Yeah, no, that doesn't help at all. No. Oh, nope. Even in this, he's got like a long hair and a beard and stuff. Wears glasses. And I'm just like, no. Nope. Still not a good idea for you to be hanging out with young children. Uh so, so th- this kid is obsessed with this like spy character that he made up. Uh I'm trying to even remember what the character's name is now. Um it's like Jack danger or something uh oh jack flack uh and he's played by dabney coleman and dabney coleman also plays his dad in this so get the assumption that he's modeled this sort of imaginary friend like this would be a good like team this up with like drop dead fred have like an imaginary friend like uh double feature because this character like pops up and they like talk to each other like all the time throughout the entire movie. But this kid's like into spy stuff. So he's always like sort of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I was on a spy mission and blah, 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 blah. And it's a spy friend that he talks to. Well, this uh, the guy that runs the game shop sends him over to like this other gaming company to pick up some catalogs or something. Some uh, some MacGuffin to get him in this building where he ends up running into a couple guys that are uh, trying to rough up this scientist that, l- that works like on the floor above them. And he has some sort of technology that he is hidden in this Atari cartridge for a game called Cloak and Dagger. And... The guys start roughing him up, but he's able to get out of the room and runs down like the stairs and runs into this kid, like hands him the game cartridge and tells him to run. And they come out and end up killing the scientist, but then realize, oh, shit, this kid's got this Atari cartridge. So then they have to hunt him down and they start stalking him. And since he's so wrapped up in this whole like spy stuff. Nobody takes him seriously when he starts telling everybody like, oh, I'm, you know, being followed by adults with guns all the time. And they're like, oh, knock it off. whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he's got to try to figure out what's in the game cartridge, why they want it and uh, how to uh, keep keep these people away from him. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but man, there are times when it gets dark. 
I'm like, this is a movie, a kids movie from 1984. And there's like assumptions. They're like, yeah, we're going to fucking murder this kid. We're going to totally shoot him. We're going to blow his head off. And I'm just like, holy fuck. Even to a point that Henry Thomas has to pick up a gun and shoot one of them. I'm like, a child just murdered an adult. I mean, it was self-defense, but good Lord. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a lot of fun, It's but it's can get dark as fuck, which I was kind of surprised by. <clears throat> um, so I followed that up with a movie that I had gotten at a, as a giveaway at the last uh, Dust Till Dawn night at the drive-in, as we were talking about earlier. Um, it's a movie called Black Candles. It was released by Severin. And it's like these people, uh, this woman's brother passes away, so she goes to this castle where he was staying to sort of like uh, try to figure out what happened to him. And uh, while there, they encounter uh, people who may or may not be into witchcraft and are causing all sorts of problems. Uh, what I did not know... I started it is this movie is pretty much just a softcore porn. All right. It's hard to predict that with like a minimal, like which, which theme thrown in It's from like 1982. Um, and you know, I'm not opposed to like nudity and stuff, but literally every five minutes there's like women taking their clothes off. Uh, one woman has the, our main character woman has a dream she has sex with her brother so that was kind of awkward um there's another one where during a ritual a woman has sex with a goat uh that was weird why was it weird uh normally i don't enjoy watching uh women have sex with animals but you know okay it's just me yes teach their own i'm not here to judge you you do what you want uh, and there's lots of lesbianism in this movie, which, which, you know, I didn't have a huge problem with, but, um, did not realize kind of what I was getting into when I started it. And, uh, it's kind of fun for the first like 20 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I'm looking at stuff on my phone now. So I did not follow the uh, plot along very well, but yeah, not enough witchy stuff apparently. Yeah. I was expecting more like you know, them casting curses or spells on each other or something, but not a lot of that. Uh, I gave it one and a half stars for anybody that is concerned. Uh, I followed that up with a movie called Ava from 2020, which I swore this movie came out in like 2016 because... I bought it on uh, digital like forever ago. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a couple bucks. I'll just buy it. I like sort of movies with this premise, so why not? But it came out, yeah, just three years ago. For some reason, it felt way more, way longer than that. But uh, time, so this is, time is an illusion. In yeah, the time. pandemic world, nothing matters. Yeah. There's especially, nothing there's... especially if this movie came out in 2020. That's right when the, uh, the time void started happening. Yeah. Uh, so this is Jessica Chastain, and she is an elite assassin. Goes around killing people, 
until she messes up one of them. Company that hires her decides that she's going to have to get taken care of because she fucked something up. So it's one of those. Yeah, okay. Which I'm into. Uh, I remember seeing the trailers for this back in the day. Yeah. Like John Malkovich is like her handler, essentially. Um, he's the one who trained her and whatnot. And then we find out that uh, Colin Farrell's like the the guy that's sort of in charge of the, the group now. Like he sort of worked his way up and uh, he wants her dead. But John Malkovich is like, oh, no, I trained her like she's all right. But. Um, so I was excited for all this stuff, but the movie turns into she goes home, but she hasn't been home in a long time. And apparently they all thought she was dead and had a funeral for her. And uh, but nobody seems like super shocked to see her like her sister and her mom are just like, oh, Jesus Christ, you missed your funeral. It was nice. Um, but then it just gets into the drama, like apparently her sister is now uh, dating her ex-boyfriend. So then there's that weird conflict where she's still like, you know, oh, but he was the love of my life. And he has to be like, yeah, but you just left. You fucking disappeared. So what the fuck was I supposed to do? We thought you were dead, remember? Yeah. And so just that weird sort of drama stuff. And then, of course, it turns out her ex-boyfriend is into the local mob for a big sum of money and she has to go in and try to fix it for him and you know shit like that i don't know it didn't it didn't play out like i had hoped it was maybe a little bit too much drama maybe not enough action but yeah, for some reason i didn't see it i think i remember seeing the trailers and deciding not to see it but maybe that's why yeah, I don't know. It's got some interesting ideas. It's just in like a post-born identity world. Like I think there's just a lot of stuff that we sort of expect from movies like this that I get. Yeah, I don't know. It's and I, well, and I think sometimes too, it's like you're not necessarily the audience for that movie that gets into all the drama about the ex-boyfriend or whatever like yeah for sure this did seem more pointed maybe towards women but yeah there's nothing wrong with them making movies that i'm interested in just oh yeah totally but i think i'm a I'm just like time travel i'm a sucker for these kind of movies where oh this assassin on a job and they fucked something up and now they're on the run so i think yeah. i dived into it and not realizing probably the other stuff that was going to be in it. It's fine. I mean, I gave it two and a half out of five. It's not, uh, not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it can also really affect your enjoyment of a film. If you're expecting one thing or, or hoping for one thing and you get something different. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I watched was a movie called under the silver lake. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I'm curious about this one. This was on my watch list for a long time, and I never got around to it. See, and I kept hearing bad things about it when it first came out. I um, think 
I think I liked the director or something. There's someone involved in it that I was following up on because I liked something else they'd done. Talk about it and I'll look it up and see if I can remember. Uh, David Robert Mitchell. Um, so Andrew Garfield is this guy who lives in LA. He's very, we'll say down on his luck. It's obvious that he doesn't have a job, but he's, you know, staying in an apartment complex, uh, very much quickly learn. He's way behind on his rent and is about to get kicked out. Uh, sees this other girl move in. thinks she's cute. Talks to her. They kind of spend, spend the night just hanging out. Then her roommates get home. So she tells them like, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go do something with them, but Hey, come back tomorrow and we'll hang out again. And he's like, okay. So he's immediately like in love with her. Uh, when he comes back over the next day, he looks inside and her apartment is entirely cleaned out. Like Nobody lived there. So then he's like, well, what the fuck happened? So then he starts sort of looking into like, where did this girl go? Um, starts kind of looking around, uh, finds like people who sort of know her because he finds like a Polaroid of her up in her closet and starts asking around. He gets pulled into this weird sort of underbelly of LA that he didn't even know existed. Um, somebody called it hipster, a hipster mystery. Which I don't disagree with, but I mean, it doesn't mean it's bad. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, there is a point he, he has to use an, an issue of Nintendo Power to look up something to help solve the problem that he's having. And Topher Grace is in it and wears a fedora the entire time with Hawaiian shirts. I don't know if I can get behind that. No. <laughs> Uh, so it's just him trying to figure out like what the hell happened to her and why she just vanished. Um, but then like, yeah, he just gets pulled into all these weird things as he's trying to figure it out. Um, and I won't spoil the end of it just because definitely not what I expected. There's just a lot of like, Oh, that's what we're leading up to. That's fucking weird. But I still enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know. Take it for a mystery movie or whatever, but I just thought the story was kind of compelling. Um, yeah. And him just sort of following her, following her trail to figure out who she, who she really is and why she just disappeared and all that stuff. I thought, I thought it was riveting enough to keep watching. Yeah, I might still get to it. It's uh, the reason I wanted to watch it is because it's the follow up to uh, It Follows from the same director. Oh, so that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's what it was that put it on my radar, and then I just never got around to it. Gotcha. Yeah, I can see I can see the similarities now. Okay, just in the filmmaking and characters and stuff like that. All right, yeah, but I'd, yeah, I'd recommend giving it a watch. I thought it was good. It's an interesting sort of mystery movie with some uh, 
like pretty much everybody you meet in this movie is a character of some sort. There's there's a lady across the uh, courtyard from him that is always topless. She's like an older lady. Um, she waters all of her plants topless. She takes care of her. She's got a bunch of parrots and stuff on her balcony. Takes care of them topless. Every time we see her, she's topless for whatever reason. Like I said, there's Topher Grace, who he sort of knows. There's, you know, weird fedora Hawaiian shirt guy that he hangs out with on a couple of occasions. And, you know, everybody's just got some weird thing about them, which makes them interesting. So, yeah, it's a recommend for me. I enjoyed it. I didn't understand why everybody hated this so much, apparently, from what I had heard. But then I hear from other people like, oh, I've only heard good things about that movie. So, yeah. I don't know. People are. Uh, <sighs> it's really not a good idea to ask people what they think about movies. Oh, yeah. I usually don't. I just end up seeing people post shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's not what I thought was that movie was going to be. But I guess I should qualify that. The people who listen to this podcast should continue wondering what we think about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask anyone else. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Sure, Noah's probably falling completely asleep at this point. Not completely. Not completely. I'm still awake. Uh, all right. Well, next week. Um, now that we're out of. January, whatever the fuck we called it. Bitterness uh, in your voice when you say January is entertaining. You're like mad about it. Nah, not really. Because uh, I, I think I, I think I enjoyed most of the movies we covered this month. I think it's, yeah, we're hovering around like fifty fifty for the month. No. Um, well, I decided we needed to celebrate one of the world's most famous scream queens next next episode because Jamie Lee Curtis got nominated for an Oscar. All right. So I decided let's go back and look at a couple of her older movies. Um that maybe fit in uh uh more of the genres we usually cover. So we're gonna go back and revisit uh the original prom night I have not seen it in a long, long time. Um, And then we're going to follow that up with a serial killer movie in Blue Steel. I think I've seen a couple scenes from when I was younger. I think I was like 10 or something. I think my mom was watching it or something. And there was like, oh, a lot of talk. This is boring because I was 10. So I went and did something else. But. Uh, something I've always been meaning to sort of catch back up on. I think I enjoyed it when I watched it, but it's been a while. I was I was kind of hoping you were going to say Prom Night and Prom Night 3. Jamie Lee Curtis isn't in Prom Night 3? I know. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, for Noah, you can watch Prom Night 3. It's your uh, secondary homework. Yeah, I've always been interested in Prom Night Three, but I'm too scared to, to to watch the last two because I've heard they're terrible. Well, I mean, I think if they're gonna, it's gonna be the kind of thing that's objectively terrible. It's just a question of whether you enjoy it anyway or not. Yeah. 
which is a bummer because it's a direct sequel to Prom Night 2. I understand. So I was kind of hoping like, oh, maybe maybe it'll be as good as Prom Night 2 because I really like Prom Night 2. Um, but I've not heard good things. <laughs> and then I've heard Prom Night 4 is even worse. And apparently it wasn't even a Prom Night movie. It just was a shitty movie they made and they threw Prom Night 4 on it. Yeah, I feel like I saw that at one point, but I don't remember it at all. So, yeah, I'm sure there's rights problems, but I would love for them to put out a prom night box set at some point. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.